Hey guys, welcome to this uh, podcast where we we would like to chat about, about things concerning men. Um, I just want to say like a, a good welcome from my my bedroom during these COVID times, and uh, we have joined by here by the other guys, uh, Stephen, Devendran. Uh, nice to see you guys again. How are you guys doing? Hey, good to catch up with you, Mike. Hey, Dev. Hey, Mike. Uh, all going well on your side. Yeah, uh, had a good chat with the extended family across the world this morning. So it was a good, good start to the day. Awesome. Uh, I just had to move my furniture around to organize myself. So the past went off well. Yep, all good. Moving your furniture around is like a holiday, right? <laughs> Stuck in a lockdown, you move the furniture and you get a nice holiday going there. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we just want to see as like a... In this podcast, we just wanted to to really tackle some uh, issues that men are facing, and uh, hopefully shed a bit of light, a bit of fun, and uh, hopefully we actually learn something from this, from these discussions that we can have. So it's like uh, just wondering is like during this COVID time that's happening on your side. There is like uh, how has it been for you as a man, and is there any struggles that you've been seeing? Uh, Stephen. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think you 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 started off really nicely, Mike. Thanks for that. Um, like you said, uh, all of us are really coming from our own homes, uh, in our own bedrooms. Uh, me, me especially. Um, and I think if we were doing this uh, podcast any other time, we would be meeting up in person, right? Um, I'm sure everyone uh, around the world. Um, can relate to to being in lockdown, and I think it's really uh, a historic event in in sort of a history of 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 a human race that at no time um, has there ever been one event that forced everyone around the world to collectively experience uh, this thing, which is having to stay at home for extended periods of time. And so, what we're realizing now is that there are it's suddenly this new experience that uh, globally uh, everyone is is having to go through, and with that, um, especially for for men, there's a huge um, a huge undiscussed topic, uh, which is what are uh, what are the men struggling with um, because they have to stay at home for these extended periods of time. That's true. I think like uh, within the, the, the global pand- pandemic, we're also having like little isolated pandemics, you know, like I think one that many people are going through is like, I finished my Netflix series. What else am I supposed to do now? Staying at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is a mini, mini catastrophe. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that's true. And then there, there are actually some real catastrophes, right? I mean, like I think the, uh, the women's aid organization here in Malaysia, and I think this is also part of the, when uh, women uh, and you know it's leading into uh, the International Day recognizing uh, violence against women, which is coming up, I think, on the 25th of November. But you know this, you know, the thing that they highlighted was that there's this shadow pandemic as well, which has been, you know, actually been going on for a long time. This has been, you know, decades in the making. But the fact that violence against women, particularly now in at home, has also, uh, you know increase rapidly during this period. You know, things that we're just not conscious about. We see the 
impact of the virus because that's what's talked about all the time. And, you know, it's just an overload. But there's a lot of this, you know, as you said, many pandemics that are sort of affecting everyone now, particularly psychologically, as we as we spend time at home. In, and our homes have now been reshaped into very different environments, right? You know, we've, right. we've separated ourselves into being able to conceive of different habitats where we play, where we work, where we escape, right? And then where we, you know, potentially have transactions with member, with people who we call our family, right? But now all of that is sort of mashed together. We have to find the opportunity to work, play, reflect, uh, you know, spend time uh, personally all in a particular space and together with people that we've potentially struggle to maintain the kind of relationships that are necessary to build the family. Right. I think that's a, that's a critical piece of what's really affecting men. I mean, it affects me as well, right? I know, I know very clearly that that's something I've been struggling with, right? How do you, how do you start really playing, playing that role and taking leadership on some of the relationship matters that affect my my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids. This yeah. Is, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And, um, I, and I think one thing that's interesting is that, uh, you know, around the world we're going through, uh, it, it's not as if this is our first lockdown now of this year, right? Like in Malaysia, we're coming down to eight or nine months of being in this sort of uh, state, uh, living with COVID and being in and out of different uh, sort of lockdowns where we either have to stay at home or have a very restricted movement outside. And so now uh, Malaysia is probably in its, what, third, fourth lockdown? Third wave, yeah. Yeah, third wave, third wave of lockdown. And I feel like um, like we're almost going, going through it again, but we have this opportunity to have a second chance or a third chance at, at looking at how do we approach, approach this. Um, these lockdowns, but but as as Dev mentioned, I think it, it's really something that um, has affected every facet of of our lives, right? Um, and it's come into the the most sacred part of our our space, which is our home, our bedroom, you know, our our living rooms, our, our kitchens, um, and it's it's almost inescapable. So it's bound to be uh, so many so many issues um, that that's a, that's has been affecting us yeah i think there's also the you know it's the role like in uh, many traditional countries as well there's the, the very stereotypical role of the, the man being the provider so they're always going out and they're chasing down uh, the new ways of, of you know bringing in the food <laughs> if you go back from the the caveman times going out hunting and bringing back the food and uh, now it's like you learn to like like what Dev was alluding to earlier is you learn to live in your different spaces. So you have your your time that you you spend at home, which is your time to relax. Then you have your time when you go out and hunt, and uh, go and work and and uh, uh, interact with other people outside. But that is now being all forced into one little space, you know, and that's your, what used to be your safe space. You're now surrounded by people all the time. And the, the, the frustration is, is kicking in. And this also leads to, to lack of judgment in other areas, which I, I can only assume is leading also towards the violence against women. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, like, it, I, I, I can't uh, believe that, 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 that all the, the you know, 
the, the, the issues that are, are creeping out now uh, would have been apparent in, uh, pre-COVID, but because due to the frustration, it's, it's being amplified and it's getting worse because there's no outlet, no, no escape. Like, like yeah, the word that you used earlier, there's no escape for the people to get out. And by, by, when I say it's like violence against women, I mean, it's not only violence against women. There's also been quite a lot of cases where the violence against men, where the woman is actually beating the man. You know, it, yes. it, it, it's, it's, it's quite a, uh, becoming more and more common in, in, in society nowadays too. So it's also both sides both of the coin that we can look at. But there is the element of frustration that's, that's kicking in. And there's that, that l- lack of a, a place to escape to, to really as an outlet uh, rather yeah. than being surrounded by people all the time. But this leads me on to the, the next question, though, is that saying um, having or being cooped up like this in one place, would you say that it's really only the frustration of COVID? Or do you think that basically this is just highlighting any issues that you actually had in your relationship that perhaps maybe this is something that you should be focusing your attention to work on rather than... Uh, looking at it from a negative perspective, looking at this is, you know, opportunity to, to grow deeper in your relationships. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think definitely it's, it's um, one part of it is that it is highlighting or magnifying um, uh, any, any issues that, that people have had in, in their homes. Like you, like uh, Mike, you mentioned um, because of this lockdown, there's an opportunity to escape, but, the issue with escape is that you, you, you still come back and the issue is there. So you're not, you're not dealing with the issue. You're running away with it temporarily or eight hours a day and then coming back and either ignoring it or having to live with it until you can escape another eight hours, uh, whatever that may be. It may be work. It may be uh, going, out for, going out for drinks or, or, or hanging out with friends and then still coming back to uh, whatever issue it may may have been at home, and and, and so yeah, I, I definitely think one part of it is um, is highlighting problems that already exist. Uh, I, I think a second part is it may it may just bring up um, it, it may bring up those uh, new issues um, that yeah. uh, you might be having at home. Yeah, and I you know I think this I really think that in a lot of circumstances um, we have. You know, put a bandaid on the lots of things that actually have, uh, you know, wounds in the way that we think about things, right? And that, uh, oh, the Mandarin, you're still there? Yeah, sorry, just ah. <laughs> lost, lost <laughs> you guys a bit. Are you guys there? Uh, we're yeah. just in, we're just uh, joining that deep thought of yours there. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> getting back to, uh, yeah, no, so this. Uh, you know, the thing is, like, there were band-aids that I think we put on the on the, a lot of these fractures that have existed in not only uh, our own personal relationships, but the way that we are just engaged as society. So we've we've taken this view that we can create work environments where the objective of managers and leaders in those environments is to make it feel make you feel that you are serving and obeying them, right? You're in service and obedience to the organization. And so you reorient your entire family context and your own social construct 
around the fact that the objective in life is to get ahead uh, from a career perspective, right? And when that becomes what you're in service of, you then start breaking down other things into the transactional pieces that are meant to do this, right? So, uh, you know, conversations over a dinner table, right? No longer a merit because you're thinking about work, all right? Uh, uh, here and so your kids feel disengaged. Your you know no, uh, and if the meal happened to be prepared at home by your wife, uh, then you know there's no appreciation. There may be less gratitude taking place, and people are just you know consuming and wanting to get out, right? And so the the and I feel that at this opportunity now, what what this situation is now created is the fact that it's brought all of these things. You know, as a cliche, they brought it back home, right? And we really are now, for me especially, I realized that actually there were a lot of things that um, I should have not, I've taken for granted, right? But actually are things that we should have been the core construct for what matters to us, right? That our family is the building block, right? You know, I mean, people use cliches as, you know, the it takes the village to grow a kid. But yeah, we talk about it in that context, but we do absolutely nothing from a cultural perspective to actually make it happen, right? Uh, and uh, I think uh, we were talking about what, what is it now that given the fact that we feel frustrated, right? So the sim it's manifested in potentially increase in violence or increase in arguments or you know, other things. But the fact that there is this frustration that I think now we should, should think about and it allows us the opportunity to start uh, realizing and thinking about our role as men, right? To step up and lead. I think this is something that, you know, previously we've uh, often talked about, right, Mike? About yeah. what is that leadership role? Yeah, I think it's also, as you know, it's a case of um, like when you're looking at uh, when you have the, 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 the benefit of, of escaping to work, right? Oftentimes, you look at your relationships, you look at issues in your relationships, you usually treat the, the symptoms rather than the issue. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we have this kind of issue. Oh, what's the outcome of that? Okay, we, we address that particular part rather than digging deeper and finding out what's the actual source, where is this coming from, and then uh, tackling that particular issue. Now, being stuck in, uh, <laughs> it, 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 during COVID, stuck during lockdown, you're faced with that having to go deeper to find out what's the actual source it's you cannot no longer just just as you say put a band-aid over the symptom but you need to go ahead and dig deeper to find out the source in in order to actually be able to survive or or, or live in the same house as, as who uh, your spouse or whoever you're having the relationship with and i find that that's also become a bit of a i mean as we say, there's there's two ways to look at it. One is you can it exposes the the issues that you could say is unfixable, and then that obviously leads to a divorce, or it shows you the opportunities that you can uh, work on and grow deeper in your relationship, and step up one level in your marriage or whatever your relationship is. Um, so I think there's there's the two options that you're looking at there. The other thing is also is like. You know, when you uh, have a place to go and work, it helps you to get into a frame of mind. Like when you're driving to work, your body, your mind, everything knows I'm going to work. You know, it, it prepares itself for that. You get to the office, you know, okay, hi, say, 
around the water cooler. Oh, this is what happened. Okay, now I'm in the zone. Now I want to work. When you do the work, you're done. You go back home. You go back home, you go, maybe crack open a beer, go sit down and watch some sport or whatever is, tickles your fancy. But it's your, your time for rest, your time for uh, recuperation from a hard day's work. But now during lockdown, we don't actually have that opportunity anymore. It's all in the same space. So that, that work ethic has now needs to be adopted in what you would reason, uh, previously call your sanctuary, your, your, your place of rest. And I find like this then turns you into another cycle of uh, you know, when do you actually rest? Because you're now 24 hours on the clock. What is the way to, to actually uh, divide your work from your home when you're doing it all in one space. And I think there is, that this is an art that, that many people, I think also still need to learn as we go along. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think, you know, typically uh, we have um, almost like two perspectives to work, right? We see it as it aligns in our life um, as something as if, it fits within our our personal life and work life, and it becomes a part of us. and And so we see um, see them overlapping in, in in a few ways. Versus the other view uh, that a lot of people have, which is compartmentalizing it. And so, um, work their work time and then their personal time are very very separate things. Um, and 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 for a lot of people who have that point of view, this lockdown is just gonna you know, this lockdown has just made everything crumble down. That whole that whole uh, perspective crumble because, like you said, they don't have that transition time. They don't have a separate building where they go. This is my compartment of work life, and I'm now in work mode because uh, now it's two feet from the bed, and you suddenly you you suddenly okay now like now I have to create this uh, compartment which is my desk and my my computer and bed, and and pretty much it's it's almost impossible. And I think. Um, not only personally uh, are people having to deal with this, but um, but companies are, are also having to to realize um, uh, realize how how work is affecting their their personal lives. Whereas previously, you know, potentially companies may may be able to turn a blind eye to what is happening in the personal lives of of their employees and just go, well, that's that's your personal life. But when you're when you're on company time, then you're you're on company time. Um, but I, I, I think uh, a question might, uh, an interesting uh, question might arise, which is, um, you know, what is that Christian perspective in terms of, of work? Um, and, and what, should, uh, what should, the, should the Christian perspective be regarding work, whether it should be that compartmentalized outlook or whether it is intersecting and, and very aligned in our lives personally as well as, as, as Christians? Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, I'd like to bring it home also to this question about the struggle that we're having, right? So compartmentalization, as you rightly put it, right, has forced us to just separate different parts of our psyche, right? Without realizing that what the, the compartment that actually energizes us is ultimately the one that we are in service of and obedient to, right? So this whichever compartment is actually the one that's taking over our 
effort in terms of where we apply discretionary effort, right? It's the place in which we hope, right? Where do we, where's our treasure? So if you take it from a Christian perspective, you know, I, I fundamentally believe that, uh, that God has led us into this uh, wanting us and uh, wanting to challenge us in terms of abide in me, right? Which is uh, about our desire to serve and sort of be obedient to, right? Where does that basis for trust come from? And then it's also about what are we hoping for? Right? What are we placing our hope? Where's that treasure, right? And if fundamentally we are, our psyche is built on the fact that we are going to, all right, I'm going to be in service of a career, so status, right? Or money, right? Which enables me to consume things at a level commensurate with my status. And therefore the hope is to continue to build that war chest, right? Uh, then clearly we will compartmentalize everything else, right? That this is the this is where relationships need to be built, right? Because my networks of opportunity and everything else will be uh, focused on this, right? And not on what really matters. Where do we plant our roots? You know, what seeds are we planting in the people around us? What is this soil that, and, and the ingredients that are helping us then flourish as people, right? The sense of you know that word spoken that it, that lands on good soil will always bear good fruit. Will by nature build good fruit, right? And and that's that I think is the design that we need to come back to, that we don't need to chase the fruit that we that we think we can make, but the the, the fruit that comes from abundance, right, from a Creator God, I think you know has has to have an abundance of opportunity, an abundance of value. And we just need to go back and start discovering that. And so I think, you know, bringing back home to this matter, I think it's really about, you know, as men in a family, where are we, what roots, you know, are we prepared to plant now, right? What soil do we want to nurture so that the fruit that is born now will come from that? And it's not going to be then, so by focusing on this aspect of, the culture, right? The relationships that we have, right? I think we will see satisfaction, right? We will see fulfillment arising from, from that uh, activity. And I think that's where we need to start potentially reframing our, and renew our mindset, right? In terms of what is important here. Yeah. I don't know whether that makes sense to you guys. Well, I, yeah, I, I I think it does make sense. I think it connects back to what Mike was saying about um, when you have, when you, when you try to uh, address the root of an issue that you might be having, you know, there are a few options that you, uh, you could go through. Uh, one is, um, one is uh, ignoring the, the issue itself. And then the second one is dealing with it and then having and trying to look at um, what, what is the upside and I, I and i think that links back to well um we're dealing the issue where are we planting our roots in right from this issue where do we want to go do we want it to go in a in a biblical route in a in a, in a christian response or do we want to go into um where we just ignore god and then and then all these problems arise 
I think that's true. I think to to a degree, is you know you look at um like in in a biblical context of family, uh, man is still seen as the leader. You know, um, when you're looking at at going through the pandemic as as such as it is, and you're having all these internal crises, you're having all the the personal crises, the, the on the what do we say the the major and the minors. Um, I think the one thing that that we as men still need to focus on, and that's the the concept of stepping up. I find that uh, there's a lot of um, I don't know if it's because uh, uh, a lot of men uh, practice a lot of authority in their their work, so that when they come home, they they just want to take a rest, and uh, they they then relinquish a lot of the authority to the wife to basically run everything. Um, and then they, they <laughs> and then they they become a bit more of a uh, like a side sideshow rather than part of the the partnership as what it should be. Um, and then when it comes to the, the 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 pandemic, it's time for the man to stand up and lead the the family through it. But because he's relinquished a lot of that leadership to the wife, uh, it's very difficult for him to actually take the role in the way that it's supposed to be. And it might then become more of a combative role because the wife has already had the authority for so long, right? Now you want to step up. Now you want to take a, a authority when uh, I've been doing this and I've been doing that and I've been doing this the entire time. So there's a bit of combativeness that, that happens there too. And uh, this, I mean, I'm not saying I'm an expert in this, this field at all, but it might be something that leads towards uh the large uh, amount of uh, divorces that we've seen this year. Like, uh, I mean, coming out of China, I think d- during the, the Wuhan time, uh, the, the first, very first initial lockdown, there was uh, large reports of <laughs> the divorce rate was like shooting through the roof at that time. Hmm. Um, and it's something that's like, it's, it's coming back to that is, is that, you know, one is that, Man needs to embrace man is in is, is in the male form, needs to embrace their role as a leader within the the family uh, uh, structure, and it's coming back to it's like where you're basing your 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 roots, is like what is the actual seeds that you're sowing into the family? What is the the way that you are um, representing uh, a male uh, 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 as a man? What are you representing to the rest of your family? What's how are you portraying? What's the role model that you are? Um, showing for your children as they're growing up, and all these kind. Yeah. Of, I, I think these are very important things that that well, not important things, but important opportunities that COVID has has actually allowed us to really step back into and like reset the family structure and and uh, roles that we play. Yeah, I, you know, I you know, like you said, that's you know, absolutely important here. That the role that we've been, uh, I guess. Uh, introduced to or the ones that are constantly talked about, right? Uh, you know, the hunter-gatherer type role, the conqueror type role, the entrepreneur role, right? But honestly, I think from a biblical perspective, or even I think it just makes, it sort of make common sense that the role that really needs to be talked about uh, is not how we apply ourselves, which is what those roles uh, right, I apply myself to hunt and gather. I apply myself to conquer. Apply myself to be an entrepreneur. But 
the base the the nature of who we are should be around one you know how do we cultivate we've been given we've been blessed with nature you know we've been blessed with a creation for us to take care of it and to produce fruit from that right but in order to do that we can't do it in an exploitative way we can't do it by stealing it from others or taking it from others we have to cultivate this and i think as we interact with our environment as a cultivator we are also therefore have to interact relationally as a community builder right that it is the the, the value the ingredients the character traits that we infuse in these relationships that ultimately help us create that following right that people want to like you right in in current gen z terms right that that thing. and that that sort of should be the kind of things that we should be looking for right uh and i think if we start with that nature of being a cultivator and sort of understanding who, who we are as a community builder in our family constructs we will then sort of amplify that through the social networks and the social relationships that we engage with right and we'll start focusing on those matters as being of importance rather than what we acquire i think it's like yeah uh one of the things is that you we you're hitting the nail on the head there as as well as um with regards to you are not what you do um to a yep. degree but or not but but just to add to it it's like that's why for myself and for i think we've discussed this many times as well is our emphasis is always on what you are or who you are becoming and not what you are doing the journey that you're going on we don't go on journeys as to uh, finding a destination um in doing something but we are looking at who are you becoming as a journey and i think that's really the 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 crux of what we're looking at so like bringing this back now to what you were saying is like for myself is i've always been a very uh, task oriented person so because of my highly task oriented nature I've uh, never been a great communicator you know because it's like oh if you cannot do it just let me do it <laughs> let me fix that and that's been a journey of mine is to try and relinquish that task oriented nature and try and nurture and cultivate this this uh, one of communication um and being improving on my communication skills in order to get my points across in order to lead effectively and that has been a journey that I've really been I wouldn't say struggling with but it's one that I've been on now for for a, a number of years um and I still I'm hoping one day that we'll actually see the fruit of it but it's um it is something definitely that we need to focus on is that the the art of who are you becoming and not being defined by what you do yeah. like often oftentimes like when you ask somebody is like uh oh uh, who are you and they'll say oh I'm an architect they're like oh so you're defined by being an architect it's like what is the actual definition who are you and i find like when you actually dive into it there's a number of people that actually cannot answer this question and it's something that i find is becoming of high importance for people to really to delve into because in today's times you're seeing more and more and more of identity uh being defined in other ways yep Because yeah identity correct mm. yeah identity clearly is about becoming right so and i i love love that same when i think we should 
make that you know a sort of a constant view in terms of how we reprogram or renew ourselves right that life has to be about becoming and not accomplishing right yeah let's coming, let's print t-shirts let's put yeah, that on a t-shirt <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah, right. uh, yeah, because and I think when you talk about becoming, is associated with a who, right? Who are you becoming? Whereas an accomplishment is related to what, right? It's a what are you accomplishing, right? And so you know, it just becomes tangible artifacts that actually you've just left behind. Whereas the becoming bit is actually about who, what is your your identity, right? Who are you? What yeah. life? What's the light that you're shining on those different situations that you're in and therefore having an impact and a change and making that difference in everybody else's life. Right. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, if we try to figure out how we can step back into that and to step up as men in families now, I think this is absolutely critical. And I think this is a key lesson, I think, that we need to start learning as a, as a result of the pandemic, I fundamentally believe, uh, again, that there are these circumstances uh, made available to us. They test us for us to now go back and say, who are we in service of and obedient to? And therefore, now what are we trying to reset and reprogram ourselves? You know, what is this opportunity presenting itself to? And I really believe that this pandemic has given us an opportunity now to rebuild these core relationships that matter, that really matter to who we want to be. I think for myself, it's also like uh, from my past and everything, the one thing that's always stood out is that if I focus on the who, the what will come naturally. But if I focus on the what, the who is left up to interpretation and I'm uh, open for influence. Yep, I, I agree. I think, I've, hey, Stephen, you know, we were talking about this, right, as a, previously as a model for how we might think about things. I think we should start uh, putting up this on our blog, uh, blog post or something in terms of the science behind some of the things we were talking about here because I think uh, people are struggling with a framework for identity. But I think we've been lost in the type of conversations that we have, the interactions that we that we also have, right? And these things are limiting us because we just, uh, you know, burrowing into these rabbit holes constantly. We're just, you know, the social media, everything else is just reinforcing our existing beliefs and not allowing us to step back and sort of reflect and now really figure out that this is a time to pivot, right? That we and actually that we really need to reset the basis for how we think about developing ourselves. I I think if we want to go into that framework, we might need another hour and a half or two hours to uh, to look. Yeah, which is that. why I think we should write it out as a blog post <laughs> and yeah, not, not talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I I I think those are really uh, really interesting points in terms of of looking at our our role at home and as Christian men, um, re constantly reevaluating what our identity is and what our role is, right? And and who are we becoming? Um, and and I, you know, and it, uh, something came up um, 
um, previously, Dev, when you were mentioning, um, you said the word cultivator and that we need to interact. Um, and I think that's, that, that was a, a word that really stood out to me was um, almost like choosing to interact. And I think um, just bringing it back to, um, you know, I think so, one thing that men may struggle with, especially during this time in a lockdown, is not interacting at all. And what I mean by that is in, is in pretty much in every form, which is uh, not, not engaging these key questions of identity, of what you're becoming, but just feeling either uh, paralyzed um, by what's going on around the world, um, by what's going on at home, by what you're feeling, to not, want, not choosing to interact at all, but rather making the easier decision, which is just ignore it and maybe go into further forms of um, of escapism right so that might be uh like just ignoring ignoring all those problems not choosing to grow or interact but uh going deeper into social media you know uh trying to trying to find other distractions now that you know work was a distraction now you can't use that as an excuse because because it's at home now find some other ways to to distract yourself and and, and so for me what one thing that um, that one thing that really stood out was 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 even before we look at um, look at um, how do we interact, which is which is looking at our identity and who we're becoming, but really is that that choice of of interacting, right? Like I think is you know I and and talking from personal experience, especially beginning of this lockdown, it was so easy for me to to choose not to interact. And not to interact with myself and not to interact with with uh, my family members, but just saying like I'll, i I just kind of just want to uh, suffer through this alone and not deal with it because it seems like the easier choice, but i I think we all know that you know that is not a sustainable not a sustainable thing for anyone to do, um, which is not deal with not deal with that, those issues and not interact with it. Yeah, would you say that this the fact that we've got to, gotten together? to put this podcast right uh, together would be the kind of interactions that you think we should be looking for, right? Now, this kind of well, this new tribes that we need to sort of build so that we, and ones that are helping us build each other up, right? How do we that, find those new, new tribes, new networks, right? That, that's so true. Like this, this podcast especially is like, I, I don't think we would have um, taken a step up to <laughs> to start this podcast without this uh, this COVID lockdown, but this is the the exact sort of kind of interaction, reflection, and and deep search into who are we becoming. Um, uh, it's the exact type of experience or opportunity that that we're talking about. Yeah. If I can add to your list, there I would add conversations. Mm. These are the conversations that men should be having too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, words have got so much power, right? I mean, they are really the way that we build ourselves up, right? These narratives that we hold in our mind, in our hearts, uh, the way we convey this to others. And, you know, maybe that's a topic for uh, for another podcast at some point in time, right? Uh, Mike, you know, the value of words you know, and how do we, how these have an impact on the on the people and the situations around it but yeah for sure uh, I, I think this is this is absolutely critical i think this and and 
really, I believe that, and, you know, and I really want to thank you guys for this as well, that the, the opportunity now to engage on this sort of narratives, I think that's really important. Because if I wasn't discussing it with you guys and having the opportunity for you to build me up to challenge my thinking as well, I would not be able to even begin to start renewing. Yes, likewise. And it's, uh, it's coming back to what you were saying earlier, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but I think it also takes a village to build a, up men. You know, it's like, no man, like going back to the old one, like no man is an island. Even Rambo needed a friend in the sequel, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. So yeah, are, we, are we bringing Rambo into our <laughs> leadership? Come on, this, this is a men's podcast. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> So we've, we've got to dovetail this into a Rambo conversation. Okay, I think that uh, I've got to put that up in our list of things to talk about at some point in time. <laughs> Rambo style leadership. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's such a pleasure to be able to be part of a group like this. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, when we talk about a village now, you know, this, there's an opportunity for us to build this virtual village, right? And, you know, I, I hope that people who are listening to this and, you know, would feel that they're part of a, you know, can be part of this community, right? That yeah. we can start sharing with each other and challenging each other as well, right? In terms of how we want to grow, how we want to move forward right? yeah, together. I, and, I think, yeah. sorry, if I can interject there is I think one important part that you said there is the sharing with each other. Because men are notorious, you know, we, we don't like to communicate as much. We use the words to get things done. Uh, yeah. More than that is like what it, it's not necessary, and because of that, it's like we don't necessarily reflect upon um, issues that we go through, and we tend to hold in uh, struggles, which leads to to worse scenarios later down the road. Rather than getting them out in the open and chatting them to 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 other guys or whoever you feel comfortable with in this uh, particular setting, and. Uh, mm. It's, I find it's like for myself as, as somebody who used to be very closely guarded with all of my secrets, if I can put it that way. Like once I started actually opening up in a closely knit uh, uh, community, uh, it really it was liberating in uh, the aspects, you know, as, uh, struggles that I went through as, as a man. You know, it's like certain things that I thought, oh, I'm the only person that goes through this struggle. If I open up to other people, it's going to show that I'm weak and soft and like a marshmallow. But actually what it did is it made me a little bit more vulnerable, but it helped me uh, open up those, those uh, uh, weak spots that the community that I had around me was able to help build up even more and therefore build into a far more solid structure than what I was before I started opening up. So I think like what you're saying there is like the sharing aspect like if any guys are listening or whatever and they, they just want to share about things that they're going through and things like that, I highly encourage that. Yep. Yeah. But that also leads uh, me like into another segue, right? It's like uh, as guys, you know, there's the other part that, that shows our weakness and that's the, the ability of or, or the inability to hold back tears, you know, <laughs> to, to, like, especially in the culture that I grew up in. You know, there was only a... There were two films that you were allowed to cry in. One was called uh, Jock of the Bushveld, which was about this this dog. And uh, in the end of the show, he dies. And like every guy that's like real guy will shed a tear at the end. And then the other one was a, a, a show called uh, Rudy. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. 
Yeah, it was yeah. like this very small little guy, and he, finally he gets to play football in the end. And it's like, oh man, they let him play. <laughs> it's like in, in our culture, like these that plus uh, winning a, a a rugby world cup. You know, those were the three uh, times that you're allowed to cry. <laughs> Any other time, yeah, oh, no man, you're less than a man. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's a different version. There's an initial version where you are also allowed to cry when you're on a date night at the movie <laughs> as a means to ulterior motives. Build that. Yeah, correct. <laughs> strategic, uh, strategic, yeah, strategic tier, vulnerability. Yeah. Just right? get the just get the eye drop and uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, when, it does lead to the question. It's like. Right. Like, why do men, why do we actually cry? Like, what is the, what sets us off? Like, yeah, you're saying there's ulterior motives, right? Yeah, it's true. Like, what other options do we have? Right. Well, uh, I can share about this since I have read a bit about oh, Steven. why <laughs> we cry. And I, I, I think it's especially relevant a conversation for men, as you guys have rightly uh, shared growing up. Uh, is definitely the stereotypical stereotypical image of um, the stoic man who who never sheds a tear, who never cries, and I I, I think even the even Mike, you were sharing that you're allowed to cry, um, like you have permission to cry at certain movies or or uh, a, a winning some sort of uh, sports event like the World Cup or, or or something like that for your team, you're allowed to cry is even. Um, one might say even quite uh, quite progressive in a sense that even you know that image of a man you can still cry previous to to previous stereotypes of, of this idea of a man who cannot cry at all um, but but even then it's super limited right so so just from a biological perspective uh, well we we cry because you know well we we generate moisture in our eyes because either something's in our eye or uh, our eyes are dry, right? So that's that's the the one uh, one reason that we cry, and and no human can get around that. But the second one, which is probably more relevant, is it's basically like irrigation for our eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's lubrication for our eyes. Lubrication, and you know, even the most stoic man. You know, if he's in a sandstorm, I'm pretty sure he's gonna. He's there's gonna be some moisture that's that's coming out. Unless you're Jason Statham. Uh, yes, yes. Unless you're <laughs> Jason Statham or The Rock or. <laughs> um, but the, the the second one, which is more interesting, which is um, what they call emotional tears. And so it's like, why do we cry emotional tears? Um, and even uh, Darwin uh, pronounced that. Um, emotional tears were purposeless uh, for all oh. mankind. Yes, but um, but I think the the research is still um, out. Actually, the science of tears is actually relatively uh, still debated, and it's not so uh, confirmed. There are a lot of theories behind um, why we cry emotional tears. Um, but but one is that um, emotional tears have a different chemical makeup to, to that first response, that biological response. So there will be different ingredients in emotional tears than when you have something, something in your eye and you cry. And 
one theory is that this is your body's response to balance out certain emotions. So why do we cry emotional tears? Um, like you said, we're either really sad or there's some sort of touching emotional moment that we're feeling. Or, you know, your, your favorite team wins and you have tears of joy, right? Your, your tears of excitement, tears of joy. Those are very different spectrums of, of emotion. It's not always classically uh, sad emotion or something sad related. And, and, and so going back to that, that theory, it's that, you know, your, the chemical makeup of your tears is different based on these emotions. It's your body's response to, to sort of uh, balance out these sort of things. And so, um, so I guess like w- 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 the one question that I, I kind of want to ask you guys is how often do you cry? Well, I have something in my eye. So, no, no, no. How often do you have emotional tears, Mike? <laughs> I'm emotionally affected by what you just said. <laughs> uh, but, no, honestly, uh, wow. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like once a week, once a month, once every six months, once a year. Oh, uh, I'd probably say once a month. Once a month? Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. Dev? Maybe. But wait, wait, wait. do we need to define like like what is crying? Is it like a full on wailing or is no, it just like no. shedding a tear? You can yeah, shedding a tear. That's yeah, then I'd say about once a month. Yeah, I it's hard to say because wow, I don't know. Maybe uh, I guess there'll be a few times, maybe in a quarter, but it really depends on the. I mean, for me, it's been when have I been exposed? I guess. To, you know, like you said, where, where, where were there situations or an environment where I was exposed to some sort of stimulant that either, and in most cases, more recently, it's been one that's been of sadness or where I'm empathizing with suffering. Uh, so I think that that has been the sort of situation that would have led, led to tears. So right. I haven't so- watched a tear-filled movie in a while right yeah yeah so so my right. next question was going to be what what caused you that tear so i'll i'll, I'll share myself um sure. i'll cry maybe or i'll tear up maybe uh yeah like about once a month and normally it's um it's because of a movie i'm watching so i'll admit like every time i watch the notebook i'll tear up i'll cry at the same moment <laughs> i don't know what's more uh, uh concerning here the fact that you tear up or the fact that you actually watch the notebook <laughs> oh come on but, but i think that's another topic to, to discuss but oh my gosh the notebook is an amazing movie <laughs> all right yeah. so for me for me the movie that would be the tear jerkers i think would be the mission oh that's the an old mission. one yes i watched that, that when i was at school so if i would be able to say that there was one that movie that really sort of if i could yeah i think that that for me is the tear, tear jerker right that will definitely bring up tears. so movies and that sort of genre associated with that uh, that sense uh, so that's how i build empathy with, right with, with that space, right? yeah and it was just a combination of everything the scene the movie you know that end the where soundtrack. the guns are going the soundtrack <laughs> i mean annual morricone was just amazing you know when that that soundtrack when the guns are going off the music the drums go at the same time as the falling off the waterfall the cross my goodness it's just Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> just thinking about it now. Yeah, just, so, oh, so, yeah, so, so, so for, for, myself, yeah, for yeah. myself, it's like one is I'm a, quite a large YouTube consumer. Uh, 
Uh, I take in a lot of videos all the time. And generally, it's like the very inspirational ones. You know, like uh, mm. one is like where the one father uh, carried his son because his son uh, couldn't walk, but he always wanted to run a marathon. So the father actually started uh, taking up running just so that he could carry the son on his back uh, through right. the marathon or was it on his back or, or he pushed him in a cart or something. But he, he went through all this at his age just so that his son could uh, actually uh, achieve what he wanted to, to achieve and that was run a marathon. So I, that's like one I shed a tear. The other one that I shed a tear was like, you know, it's like one of these, uh, when you go and you watch all these parents and then the, their child does well or whatever, then you see that like, oh, they shed a tear. And all the years that I've had, I was like, oh, come on, dude, really? You, come, come on. And uh, there was a case where my daughter actually had a, a school production and she was in the, the dancing, uh, one of the lead dancers dressed up and all these kinds of things and uh she went up on stage and she started dancing and i had my 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 phone ready to record and everything and i was looking through the phone and she started dancing and everything and it was like the screen went a little blurry as my eyes were starting to tear up <laughs> and when it finished when the, the whole thing was finished i realized i hadn't hit record oh my gosh <laughs> i was so caught up in the moment <laughs> oh, that i actually forgot to hit record and i was like I, okay let me apologize to all those guys before <laughs> that I had words for. I now understand. I I, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Just, just speaking to close up, I think coming back to the movie thing, right? I think the other movie that I really, uh, really got to me was the English patient. I don't know what you Oh, wow. That. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that, that was another movie. And I guess, okay. So the, I don't know, the question I want to put to you guys is this. So did you cry? Uh, at Titanic. No. 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 Yeah. So, so I, I, was, I was like, so just English, let go already. Just let go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to diminish the, the value of the movie to lots of people around <laughs> listening to this. But yeah, no, the English patient was clearly a differentiator, right? Compared to the Titanic for me. So, so, so just to, uh, just to, uh, I, I feel like we could talk a lot more about crying or, or what sets us off, but uh, just to share, um, and and the research, uh, going back to the science, the research is still maybe uh, still needs to be explored. Some people say that there's no, that there's been a certain uh, myth that crying is good for the soul or is good for your emotional and physical well being, and some scientists say there's not enough research to to say this. Um, one one study that I'm I'm looking at um, shared that non-crying people had a tendency to withdraw and describe their relationships as less connected, um, and they experience more negative feelings like rage, anger, and disgust than people who uh, who cried. Um, I, I, another another study sort of found that actually crying. Um, you know, no matter how many tears that we we have. Um, a lot of the people who cried, um, even, even though immediately after their experience and they were asked, how do you feel? Even though they said either good or bad, um, a majority of them at, at like a later time, let's say at the end of the day or the next day, when they look back on that, on that tearful experience, they found that um, they actually, in general, felt better afterwards. So after... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a, an extended period of time, they look back on that uh, 
at that as like an emotional and physical detox and they actually felt better about it so i think i so so just to like wrap up i i think uh i highly encourage um i i highly encourage all men to to cry definitely um don't try to force it but i think if if you find yourself uh feeling a a sort of block as if you're not allowed to cry then that's definitely something that you need to look at and and that might actually be causing uh, a few issues with how you process your feelings because if you feel like crying then you should just cry <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it and there's no it doesn't mean that there's any weakness involved um but if you if you don't feel like crying like some of us didn't feel like crying during the english patient or watching the titanic that does also that's also okay but if you find yourself where you 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 feel like you're restricted in crying or you feel like i can't cry right now because people will judge me then that might be something that you may have to look back on and reflect on um as as whether you're truly um giving yourself the um emotional detox that you need that maybe your body is telling you you need right now um or if you're not really being true to uh, your authentic self or your authentic feelings i think that's probably the word that you're looking at here is you know always strive for the authentic you you know don't try and hide or change for the person around you but be that authentic you so like as you're sharing is if you feel like you need to cry then just cry you know if you want to just if i'm around please don't wail that's all <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay with the crying but the wailing might be a bit much <clears throat> no that's but into, yeah i think that's the thing is is really is is be authentic is that yeah but but even then you know i think when we say authentic now i think so does authentic manhood right involve creating or at least participating in uh circumstances which allow you to empathize right not just i i think sympathize is also very valuable here because it's not just being able to understand it but to be able to put yourself in that person's shoes right which is what they separate sympathy from empathy right and and i think when we can sympathize and and that allows us to now really uh i guess open up so not just as you said even not just the emotional detox but we can actually appreciate the situations that our fellow men are in right and to be able to and i think you know these moments of empathy are a critical part of authenticity right we tend to think like we like if we use the term the stoic man right the i do not cry man right uh but uh this i think the the act of crying is actually a symptom of your ability to empathize and sympathize right and how do we get ourselves as authentic men into situations where we are and ena- that enable us to see this right to participate in it so that then we can be emotionally engaged and if that results in us crying then then great let it happen right yeah, yeah. i think there's I, also that 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 emotionally engaged you know you need that level of connection like like i'll i'll give you it's like i watch a, uh, quite a few shows with with my family right and then if there's any kind, like uh, uh, any like a minute chance of of a, a sadness kind of theme in the show 
like all three of us, you know, the rest of us will look at my wife and she'll be there busy leaking from the eyes. <laughs> and it's got to such a stage where even my daughter will say, oh, come on. It wasn't even... <laughs> You know, but that doesn't mean that, you know, she's like a crybaby or anything of that. But what it does is it shows that she's very quick to make a connection, you know, and she gets heavily invested where we are all like very, uh, how should I say, it? Uh, we, we don't get connected. We're very, you know, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, we don't, well, we're not as engaged, really. We don't get uh, as close or we don't identify with the character that's being played or something like that. But we don't get, we don't have that connection is what my wife actually picks up very quickly. And I think that's also something that um, plays into a lot of these things is, is how isolated are you or how much have you isolated yourself um, with regards to like, are you open to connecting or are you already shutting yourself down there? before you even make the connection, before you get the emotional engagement and then obviously holding back the emotions that are being presented. Yeah. The, the crux is already like, have you already closed yourself off to connection? And uh, maybe that's something to, to look at as well. Sorry, you were going to say it, Stephen. Well, well I, I, I just wanted to share like um, for, for anyone who feels, still feels a, a, a fear of uh, judgment um, because of crying, uh, some some research has shown that um, you know for people who are in uh, leadership positions who do cry, um, uh, their peers or their subordinates have shown uh, greater respect um, for that person who has perhaps publicly uh, uh, teared in front of them, um, and, and this is especially in a, in a work setting. Now I, I will say that uh, this does not mean uh, let the let the let the faucet flow. Um, so they showed that uh, well, yes, uh, a few tears is fine, but if it's a outward like 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 a waterfall that's going and and there's wailing involved, then you do lose some respect <laughs> or, or quite a lot yeah. of respect in terms of yeah. Yeah, no, I I can imagine that being an issue, uh, particularly in some of the hierarchical context that we have here, you know, in, in Malaysia and, you know, other ASEAN areas, right, where the patriarchal sort of, again, this, this, that men need to be stoic in their, uh, in order to occupy a seat of authority, right? Mm, mm. Um, so probably having a quiet space to be able to do it might make sense. <laughs> Don't be vulnerable in front of everybody, right? So there's obviously some level street smartness. Yeah, uh, yeah, this, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, I think if you can't even I, I think it's one issue to not be able to cry at all, even if you're alone. And then second is is trying to be your authentic self. Um if you can't be your authentic self and cry amongst friends or family or, or, or community. And then of course in terms of leadership positions, then yeah, I think it, it, it is slightly different and it depends on on, on the time and place. Um yeah, if you know it, if you didn't have a leader who who never showed that sort of emotion or vulnerability, there would that would also be an issue as well. I always find like um, you know if you can't be your authentic self around somebody, you need to question that relationship. For myself, really, <clears throat> like I'll, I'll give an example. It's like uh, growing up, we always had it that men would be one way 
when the wives are around and there'd be a totally different way when the wives are not around. You know, there's like more freedom, more open they, they, when they express themselves and things. But when the women are around, then they're very <clears throat> reserved, very, you know, it's like calculated in the way that they would speak. And to me, I've always found like, what? I don't understand this. You know? If you're going to choose a spouse that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you need somebody that you can be authentic around. And for me, that's like how I'm going to be around with the guys. That's how I am around with the wife. I mean, obviously still with a level of respect, but it's, I'm still exactly the same person in all scenarios. And I, I find like okay. if you cannot be yourself around, then, you know, you need to question the relationship that you're in. I think this is something that we're going to make, maybe we should cover in another, uh, you know, segment of this series that, this question of authenticity versus situational agility, right? And we are taught to be, right? Uh, the situational leadership, right? Is what needs to be manifest. And so the, I think there are, there are layers to this and it may be something I'd like to investigate with you guys as we, you know, as we think through this further in terms of what, uh, how do we communicate authenticity but more importantly i think what you're referring to is how do we be authentic right and that being authentic is you know should be reflected in the image that we shine on different circumstances right and 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 being authentic also i mean so the authenticity that is expressed requires a safe space right but the authenticity that's internal, right? Just requires you to have a relationship. And in my case, I think a relationship with my creator, right? And that becomes my source of authenticity. I think if the source of authenticity is myself, I'm, I'm just spinning in space, right? And I'll just land on whatever <laughs> happens mm -hmm. and allow the situation to take over. I think the authenticity will be pretty much a theme through all of our chats that we yeah, have definitely. because we're all searching for it. That That's so funny, Dev, because um, I, I was about to reply as well and say, yes, we should do, uh, that should be another topic of a podcast. But the topic for me was uh, in terms of dating, <laughs> <laughs> like, like how that attitude as a, oh, <laughs> about how as a man you've uh, like the... I don't know, the, maybe the, the, the cultural impression of how a man should act has changed for me as I've grown up and how that relates to dating. But I love how like we went two different ways and ended up in the same place. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the whole idea of these discussions, right? There are multiple points of view, but I'm glad it came back to that anchor. Right? I, think, I think there's a lot in truth, right? That authenticity is about how we anchor ourselves. And no matter what, circumstances and what symptoms or whatever areas we happen to manifest those relationships or those outcomes, the truth is really in where we ground ourselves, right? And I think we will continue to come back to that as we expand on the, through the series. For sure, for sure. But I think we'll probably call it a, a day at that one for now. Yeah. Um, it's been great chatting with you guys. I know I've learned a thing or two throughout this conversation. Oh, me too. Me too. Hey, a couple, any couple of uh, takeaways you guys have? You know, I, I, I'd like to, you know, clearly I think that 
life is about who we are becoming. I think it's something that's 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 going to. Now I'm going to think about it a little bit more uh, this week. I'd like to play that in my head a little bit. I think, uh, and uh, and then finding the opportunity for em- empathy, right? Uh, why we cry? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting uh, aspect, and and really anchoring it in terms of, you know, what's my role as a as a father, as a husband. Uh, so, so you're gonna go and put some things into practice to ensure that you cry at least once a month now. <laughs> you guys are now gonna come up to me, right? <laughs> now I need to send a recording of me crying. <laughs> this is a single tear. Like he's gonna he's gonna share the video, you know, after he's chopped some onions there. This is this is this is accountability right here. <laughs> yep. No, yeah, I think yeah, the one yeah. that's also got for me is also the the you know life is about who you're becoming, and I think that is really a, a starting point that I, I like to live my life on now, um, where it's not really about achievement, but it is about who you are becoming. Uh, because the internal aspect is far more important than the external because the internal will dictate the external. Yeah. Yeah. Even any thoughts? Yeah. I I think for me um, is really about um, if you're, if you're in a situation where you feel, uh, feel paralyzed, like this sort of lockdown, I think one of the first things that uh, we should be looking at with that idea of, of who you're becoming in mind is doing something about it, interacting, uh, you know, in whatever small way possible, um, rather than ignoring the fact. Um, second is uh, crying is good, and uh, we should all cry and have a a, a few tears once in a while. <laughs> crying sounds, is good. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 sounds good. Uh, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Oh, Mike, we're going to make a convert of you. Yeah. yeah. It's going to move crying beyond is Crying is good. Crying is good. Yeah. Awesome. It's always great to chat with you guys. And uh, yeah. I look yeah, forward, to forward to our, the our next point. few chats coming. Yeah. Definitely. We've got to get Johnson in the next one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll get another fourth perspective and yeah. see how, how he's crying is coming along. Awesome. Guys, as I say, it's, it's always a, a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, yeah. we'll catch you in the next chat. All right. Great, great to catch up with you, Mike. Uh, you know, it's been such a pleasure to bond with you guys in this way. Yeah, same here. It's been, uh, it's been really great to actually hear these different perspectives and, and to interact and engage these things. Looking forward to the next time. Take care, guys. You too. Ciao. Bye.